Hey there everyone, welcome over to the One Touch Talks. This is your host Mayuresh Matkar. So today we will be taking a look at what's happening between Barcelona and Chelsea regarding the transfer of some of their players. We'll also be looking into the French capital as Paris Saint-Germain have sacked Maurizio Pochettino and have appointed Christophe Galtier as the new manager. But today we will be starting from the red half of Manchester as Cristiano Ronaldo has filed a transfer request to the Manchester United board to let him leave Old Trafford. So according to the news, Cristiano Ronaldo has not yet attended the pre-season training of Manchester United because of family reasons and uh, well, you might consider that these family reasons have come at the wrong time or at the right time when people start to connect dots but yeah, maybe there are family reasons he recently lost a child, uh, you know, not a good time for him right now but he won't say that he's been not he's not been professional because one thing that Cristiano Ronaldo is that he is always been professional. He was at the preseason training of Juventus last year around when he was around to leave Juventus. He said to Juventus that he wanted to leave, but he was still around making, doing the preseason training. He also was present in that Via Trophy, which is being played at uh, the camp now. Uh, that Juan Gamper Trophy, which has been uh, played between Barcelona and some of the other teams. You know th- those sort of teams. So he was professional back then. He came back uh, five days later, his uh, first, uh, his, his child passed away. He came and played at the Emirates against Arsenal. So he is professional. So you can't actually uh, point fingers as his, at his professionalism. That's point number one. So point number two is that Cristiano Ronaldo does not want to jump ship because he thinks that Manchester United are not playing Champions League football next season. I think that when he came to Manchester United last season, he would have had an idea that uh, when if, well, if he's coming to Manchester United, he's not going to win the Champions League, let's be honest, and he's not going to win the Premier League as well. I mean, if you look at it, then Ronaldo does not make Manchester United better all around. He does make them clinical in front of goal. That's one thing. But does he make them proper contenders for the Premier League title? No, he does not. Does he make them proper contenders for the Champions League? No, he does not. They're way off teams like Bayern Munich, like Real Madrid, Manchester City, uh, Liverpool and Chelsea as well. So they are way off the scale. So I won't see them winning the Champions League, uh, even if they were in the Champions League this season. The thing which has uh, really uh, not impressed Ronaldo is their transfer strategy this season. And uh, uh, it was the same last season with Juventus, where Juventus were... Shipping off players like Mehdi Demiral, who could have had a better future at Juventus. They only signed one player, and it was Manuel Locatelli, and they had to convince Aswolo for, for, for getting their price uh, way down. They had to structure a deal where they were, play, the, they were paying Sassuolo, they are still paying Sassuolo in installments, the same thing that they did with Chiesa when they signed him from Fiorentina. So, yeah, that was the thing that was really not... Uh, impressing Ronaldo and again when they moved back to Max Allegri instead of uh, trying to play hardball with Zinedine Zidane who could have actually come to Juventus for a season or two it would have been better for uh, Ronaldo to stay at Juventus then but things have turned out from then and then he moved on to United where you already had a situation with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer with people thinking that he was already not the guy to lead a good team like United because they had good players then and then things started to turn south with Solskjaer not getting results, them appointing Michael Carrick and then reverting to Ralph Franick, which I thought was a good thing. And again, I still think I still uh, am by my word because I thought Ralph Franick would have been the better choice here. 
I think he's he does have a say in appointing uh, Eric Ten Hag because I think uh, again the German connection moves on with Eric Ten Hag also being uh, linked with Bayern Munich. Uh, his his past linked to Bayern Munich to be precise, and uh, then Ralf Ragnick also making himself a legend in the teams like Hoffenheim, Schalke, and even in the Red Bull group. So you might understand how the connection came on to be. So uh, I thought that he was a good decision, but then again, you had Mason Greenwood and all that off-the-field scandal uh, with him, uh, Ralph Ragnick not getting results, the team not having a good attitude, leaks coming out, and all those sorts of things. You know, they're getting battered every single week by teams like Watford, and even uh, struggling to win against teams like Norwich as well. So, you know, things are not being good. And then comes the transfer window. You don't have Champions League football. Yeah, agreed. Even Arsenal does not have Champions League football, but they have signed some very, very good players. They are looking at the, the sign Fabio Vieira. They're looking at a number nine like Gabriel Jesus. They have also agreed a deal to Gabriel Jesus. Uh, they've brought back William Saliba. So it's it's a team which has which has been making moves. Now, if you talk about Ronaldo and Manchester United, then United are looking at Frankie de Jong. They are paying somewhat as per my. Uh, my opinion, I think they're, pay- they're overpaying for Frankie de Jong. I mean, the thing that was not allowing them to go on, go all out on Darwin Nunez what they, was they were afraid of overpaying for Darwin Nunez. Now, I think they're doing the same with Frankie de Jong. Aren't they overpaying £85 million for Frankie de Jong? I, th- I still think they are. Now, with uh, their other transfer targets, they're looking at Christian Eriksen. Reports suggesting that they have already agreed to personal terms with Christian Eriksen. Him being a free agent makes things very, very simpler. Uh, again, you have going with Lisandro Martinez from Ajax. I think he's a very, very good player. Two clubs, again, are interested in Lisandro Martinez. I think he's gathering attention from uh, Spain as well, from one or two clubs. And he's also gathering attention from Mikel Arteta and uh, Arsenal. So... I think it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. But for Manchester United, you have Eric Ten Hag. And uh, I am sure that the clubs from Spain are not clubs in the Champions League currently. So uh, if Arsenal are going to come for him, I think Arsenal, it makes a lot of sense for him to take the place of Thomas Partey if he does not play. I mean, we all know that Thomas Partey is prone to injury, so maybe he goes there. But if you ask about him coming to United, you have Eric Ten Hag already there you probably would also have the pull to say that, you know what, the place is all yours. If you prove to us that you are worthy of playing in that midfield or even you are worthy of going into that defence, you go there. I mean, there is not much competition for you. As far as Arsenal go, they have their back line sorted up. I don't know why you would want to interrupt someone, a good partnership like Ben White and Gabriel. Uh, I don't think he's a good player at uh, at 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 fullbacks, but he can play midfield, defensive midfield. Uh, so he might just be a good option there. But apart from it, I don't see there it, there would should be anything apart from it. Apart from all these other things, I think uh, with Ronaldo, the thing is that he he was always in the favour of having uh, Eric Ten Hag. He always come back to see the past when uh, Ajax were playing Juventus and they had a few exchange of words, not in a bad way, but in a very, very good way, in a positive manner. They exchanged their words, they were laughing and all those things, you know. So it is good. It's a good relationship. They are yet to talk, both Ronaldo and Eric Den Haag. But it feels very, very bizarre for me. I I don't see them... uh, I, I, I really don't see United and Ronaldo going up. 
he's not going to be the part he's not going to take part in their preseason tour of uh, Bangkok and Australia so uh, well that's because of family reasons and Manchester United are going to accept that but this is way too far for me i, I i'm not really interested in all these all, all these leaks around you know trying to get him back to portugal and all those things you know when you have ronaldo you're going to have leaks you're going to have the media around you so that's part and parcel of uh, having ronaldo in your team now if you look at the possible destinations three have come up one is napoli which i don't think is going to be tangible enough it's not a tangible enough link maybe if victor oziman has to go somewhere else then maybe he could consider napoli but do they match his ambitions i don't think so are they going to win the serie a next season you yeah, maybe they can but are they sure shot favorites to win serie a next season no in my opinion no i think juventus inter and juventus and inter are the two teams i would see going for the scudetto next season not napoli um would you see them going would you see him going to chelsea I think Chelsea is a much more broader prospect. I mean, if you look at it, then for Todd Bowley, he can have Ronaldo and he could have Thomas Tuchel, a guy who can give him goals regularly. But they are also interested in Armando Broja and they are not willing to... They're going to talk him, they're going to talk with him and then see what are, what can be his future prospect. I mean, I think he's a very, very good player to have hold off so are they going to loan him out for a season or two again or are they going to have him playing next season at, uh, at at Chelsea so that sorts their issue the third option is Bayern Munich and if I'm Ronaldo I am adamant on Jorge Mendes to you know what go there and engineer a move force a move to Bayern Munich somehow now if Lewandowski leaves it's um, it's it's a very straightforward swap there Lewandowski for uh, uh, Lewandowski for Ronaldo for Lewandowski there because if you look at Bayern then they don't have much options left I don't see Christopher Nkunku as their number nine I don't see number nine as his profile for Nkunku um, Patrick Schick and obviously Nkunku has signed a contract extension so he won't be leaving this summer he's starting to uh, he's uh, trying to be patient and I think that's a good thing here there is Patrick Schick from uh, Bayer Leverkusen, which they are interested in. But he is going to play Champions League football next season. They have made some good signings, Bayer Leverkusen. So I don't see him moving as of now. The other option they are looking forward is to uh, uh, Sasa who from, uh, uh, I don't know from where he's playing. I think it's, uh, I well, I, I'm a bit of in a complex now, but uh, he's... Uh, I think he's playing at Mainz and uh, he, he's an Austrian international and that that's for sure. So, uh, well, can he be that guy? I, I don't know. I mean, he's too young. He's too... I, I think they will be too naive to actually trust him for a season or two. I mean, he would be a very long-term prospect, but I think it would be very naive to go at him, understanding that you do have Ronaldo as well waiting for you. Maybe Victor Ozyman, again, I would stress on it. Victor Ozyman, can he be that guy? If Lewandowski leaves, can they pursue Alexander Isak from Real Sociedad? I think it's not really given that they can get players like Ozyman. Ozyman is going to be very, very expensive. 
upwards of 100 million euros as fee and you could take in writing with me it's going to be that sort of fee for him alexander isak again it's going to be around 80 to 90 million euros for him and dubai and have that sort of money i don't know i think they're good they're going to go for matthias delict and with delict again you are in a conundrum where juventus were offering him a contract extension until 2026 because they believed in matthias delict now rumors are coming up and uh, i think it was Cherubini, their sporting director who said that we can't keep players who who don't want to be there and it's the right thing to do so he's attracting interest from chelsea and from uh, and from bayern munich again from chelsea with ronaldo's prospect is going to be that if he joins chelsea then there are going to be many people who are going to actually be unhappy with that move if he moves on to Bayern Munich then you don't have much of a problem with it so if he if if De, if Delict wants to move to Bayern Munich then Juventus or, or Chelsea I mean Delict wants to move to Bayern or Chelsea the reports are saying that he really likes the project of Bayern Munich and if he goes there to Bayern he is a straight away starter in that team so if you want to go to Bayern Munich, I think they will be really accepting to that. But I think Bayern Munich are not going to splash the cash on Matthias Delic. They are willing to pay around 55 to 60. Juventus are hoping to get around 90 to 100 million euros for him, which is fair because they got him around, what, 75 million euros. He still has some years left on his contract, namely two years. And, uh, well, he's... He has still got a lot of years ahead of him, so maybe that's 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 the right decision from 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 Juventus, and they also have to build a team around. You know, they, I do think that one between Daniele Rugani and uh, Mattia Di Ciglio is going to leave this club this summer. I do believe that uh, they will have Leonardo Bonucci, but he is going to play second fiddle to two players, and if Delic stays, he would be one of them. And the other player, they still have to look at players like Nikola Milenkovic like Khalidou Koulibaly, who's inching closer to a move to Juventus. I mean, he's got two options now, either to join Juventus or either to go to Barcelona. I mean, it's a very big domino effect here. If Delic comes up to you Bayern Munich, then they would have had to pay around at least 85 million euros for Matthias Delic. You've got two very, very good midfielders. You've got very, very good wingers in Nabri, Mane, Coman and Zane. You've got a very, very intelligent player like Thomas Muller who's going to compliment you day and night. And then you've got Ronaldo there. So it's a very interesting situation right now with Bayern Munich. Lothar Mateus says that he is uh, very much going to be uh, in favour of a move for Ronaldo. As far as Oliver Kahn goes, he's saying that, well, maybe it's not the right option for us. So I, I really don't know what to, say, what to make of this man right now, Oliver Kahn. I have got zero, zero interest in what he's saying because he's said even before that he wants... Uh, I mean, he's not been at... Uh, at, at, at he's not been really uh, biding with his words. and Everything that comes from his mouth is currently being a, a big fat lie. And I'm talking about a German legend, a Bayern Munich legend. I have to... Uh, select my words carefully here, but that's the truth here. And I am not going to shy from the fact that uh, Lothar Mateus is going to be the one who would be the guy pointing fingers at players who, when when things started going out south. So, you know, it's it's a very it's it's a very curious situation here. It's where where you have you know everything. You know, FC Hollywood it just epitomizes it. And uh, I would like to say that. Uh, 
if Ronaldo does go to Bayern Munich, he would guarantee a short-term fix for this problem. And then after two years, they can go for Patrick Schick or someone else, maybe allow Erling Holland to come in. Again, with that statement from Olivier Kahn, he's trying to actually give a message to uh, someone like Lewandowski that, you know what, we're not giving up on you yet. You know, you're still our player. You're still going to be the guy, the face of uh, Bayern Munich. So, well, let's see what's happening with you and we'll take a decision after that. So, it's it's a very good thing to actually have. But as far as Ronaldo goes, I think he would be he, he would be in a situation if he had to choose between all these clubs, he might choose Bayern Munich. There are other two clubs which are also interested. One being... Uh, other two clubs who has who, whose names have been put up, one being Paris Saint-Germain, who I don't, I hope that he does not join Paris Saint-Germain, and the other one is Sporting Lisbon. Uh, maybe it's just too soon. Maybe it's just too soon for Sporting Lisbon. So, yeah, uh, if if I had to choose, I would go with Bayern Munich and then see what happens next. So Paris Saint-Germain are up and running in this uh, transfer window as they have already sacked their manager Maurizio Pochettino and appointed a new manager in Christophe Galtier. They are looking to offload Neymar. They have signed Vitinha from Porto. They're looking to sign Renato Sanchez and also players like Milan Skrinia and Gianluca Scamacca. They hope to part ways with Neymar and also with players like Mauro Icardi. And also someone like a president Kim Pembe. We will start with everything else. But we will have to start, uh, I beg your pardon, we'll have to start with uh, the appointment of Luis Campos, which was uh, well driven by Kylian Mbappe's uh, renewal at Paris Saint-Germain. So uh, it was said that Luis Campos is going to steady the ship here. And even Nasser Al-Khalafi, who is the president of uh, Paris Saint-Germain and also the president of a lot of other things, he said that they're going to go away from those uh, glittery signings, those shiny players, which will come here, big money, big bucks, uh, big headlines, huge commercial value, everything else. But the performance on the pitch was just going to be a bit mediocre. We saw that with Neymar. We saw that previously with Zlatan Ibrahimovic, uh, some, to a certain extent with Messi as well. And they haven't really paid off. You know, they paid, they overpaid for Mbappe at that point in time. He's turned out to be a very big success for them. But I thought that they did overpay for him. Um, they were looking at Dembele, they were looking at Pogba, and then Luis Campos cared. And they said, well, you know, we're not going to look at Mbappe. We're not going to be uh, looking at uh, players like Pogba and Dembele. We'll just leave them up to it. Uh, we'll look at players like Vitina. It's a very unknown commodity. He's played for Porto. He's one of the best midfield. He was one of the best midfielders last season uh, in the Portuguese league. It's a long list of uh, very technical, technically gifted players, but he was uh, up there with the best. You know, he had a very, very good relationship with Mateo Suribe alongside him. He was just outstanding for Porto under the uh, tutelage of uh, Sergio Conceição. Uh, he's, he's he was in the, one of the best teams in Portugal. So. There's not much concern there. The, the scene just completely changes up when it comes to uh, Paris Saint-Germain. You know, you'll be in a, a bit of a limbo here because a lot of expectations will be there, even if you are one of uh, the youngsters in the squad. Now, he's had Premier League uh, taste before with Wolves. Didn't work for him there. He went to uh, Porto. It's really been fantastic for him there. But you'll have to see how things come up with, uh, with, with the new manager, Christophe Galtier. We'll talk about Galtier as well. But another new signing that they are looking at is Gianluca Scamacca from Sassuolo. 
he is uh, a fantastic forward to be honest and uh, he's one of those uh, quartet at Sassuolo's who has got a lot of demand from clubs uh, away from Italy uh, players like he's part of that quartet alongside uh, like Domenico Berardi uh, Traore and even uh, Raspadori so these these four players along with Scamacca these four have got really good market value they are looking to offload one of these four Sassuolo and they are looking at Gianluca Scamacca to uh, raise his hand up and they will allow him to leave so he is being identified as a long-term number nine at the club they are looking to offload Mauro Icardi and that, that goes hand in hand so well they're Trying to get in 40 million for they're trying to get deal inside 40 million for uh, Gianluca Scamacca, but I don't see Sassuolo just waging up for that. They want 50 to 55 million euros for Scamacca, and I think that's a fair price for someone of his talent. He was also being recruited for some time by Arsenal, but they decided to get off this race. He was also being linked to uh, Juventus before Vlahovic came in. Uh, so he's he's a very very good player. You can say with the clubs that are lining up for him, he's a he's a very very good player. And someone like a Barcelona, he would really suit Barcelona. That's not really something that we're going to talk about. But his playing style would really suit Barcelona. He's a fantastic player. He is the future for the Italian national team at that number nine position. He is outstanding. And believe me, by outstanding, he is really outstanding. Gianluca Scamacca. I would be really psyched to see what he brings up. To the table when uh, when things roll up in 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 Liga next season. The other player they are looking to sign up is Milan Skriniar from Inter. Milan Skriniar is someone who's been linked to a lot of clubs since a long time now, and he's been linked to a move away from Inter even last season with Manchester City. The season before that as well with Manchester City before they would have signed Ruben Diaz. So he's been that kind of a guy, but now Inter, they need to offload players because of their financial condition. They've just uh, welcomed back Romelu Lukaku, so they'll have to see what happens there. You know, it's, it's, it's a very curious case with Inter, so maybe they will have to budge a few bucks there. They have valued him at 80 million euros. It's a bit overpaying there for Milan Skriniar. I love Milan Skriniar, by the way. He's he's a fantastic defender, and I think he can really uh, have a fantastic career at Paris Saint-Germain. He's a former Serie A player. He's a regular in his national team. Obviously, he plays for a very less recognized national team in Slovenia. So he is a good player. He's a super super defender. So I'll hope to see him in a in in, in a different system again. He's been a success at Inter. So we'll see what happens for Milan Skriniar. He can be a very, very good recipient. Alongside a fit Sergio Ramos. I mean, that looks really tasty. You know, Hakimi, Skriniar, Ramos and Nuno Mendes. A fit Sergio Ramos, I think it really moves the needle. So another player that they are trying to snatch up from the transfer market is Renato Sanchez. And now this is very, very... It's, it's very, very, very weird now for this because it's not very weird it's very very strategic I would say that because uh, Renato Sanchez has worked previously with Christophe Galtier in a team which has won Liga and that was Lille two seasons two seasons ago uh, they he's also I mean, incidentally being Portuguese helps as well but 
He has been recruited by Luis Campos even at Leo after his failed spell at Bayern Munich. So it would be a very, very good match. And if the midfield looks like Marquinhos, Verratti and Renato Sanchez, you have a lot of energy, you have a lot of technical quality, you have got a lot of running and a lot of, uh, uh, what do you say, you know, defensive work rate in that team. So I would, I would really like that, to be honest, uh, if uh, Paris Saint-Germain go that way. But it's very unlikely now that they would be playing their way. You know, maybe you can chuck in Paredes there and Marquinhos comes down in the defensive look. So we'll talk about uh, Christophe Galtier and we'll also have the Neymar tangent to it now. As uh, Christophe Galtier is a former Lille manager who's uh, was won Ligue 1 title with Lille. He last season switched from Lille to Nice, uh, won the uh, Coupe de France, which is the French League Cup, uh, played fantastically well against Paris Saint-Germain in that final. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain couldn't score, they won on penalties in mm. the end. Uh, he's, he's a very, very good manager, in my opinion. He's done a lot of good to his CV by staying in the league. On uh, he's been, he's going to be replaced now at Lille by uh, by Paula Fonseca, and things, things, things are going very, very smooth at the clubs that he was. He's uh, made that uh, Nice side as well pretty, pretty hard to beat. They were stuck on that second spot for a long time before they were pegged back, and now they uh, will be in the. Europa League, I really didn't want to see that, even with Strasbourg, when they were just fourth for the entire season and then they had a sudden collapse. Uh, but he's done well. He's done well at clubs, which he's been already. So I would see this as a very, very good sign. I would suggest that they would be looking into Luis Campos as well and be saying that, you know, he's not got much of a uh, European pedigree. Domestically, he's been very, very good at Lille and at Nice. But he hasn't really proved himself at the European level. He hasn't played that many games at the European level. So we'll have to see that. He was in the Europa League at the season where Lille won the league on title. He was really battered and bruised when he came up against Eric Den Haag's Ajax. And, uh, well, he was completely out of sorts, out of plans at that point in time. But that was then. This is now. We'll have to see how things turn up for him now. Uh, well, there is a big political issue here as well because... Uh, Luis Campos, again, before talking about Neymar, uh, Luis Campos is a boy born in Marseille. Now, it's the same thing that happened with Zinedine Zidane, and I think Christophe Galtier knows that pretty well, that Zinedine Zidane was the first choice for Paris Saint-Germain, and he pretty much decided not to go there because of uh, the possibility of him becoming the French national team manager, because we all know, everyone in PSG knows, every, even Zinedine Zidane knows, Didier Deschamps knows, and everyone in France or outside of the world knows that Zinedine Zidane would be the guy taking over the managerial job at the French national team uh, once Didier Deschamps decides to, uh, decides to step down. Now, the second reason for him not joining Paris Saint-Germain was that he was a boy from Marseille. He has his posters hung up, his paintings hung up in Marseille because he is an icon, he's the guy who went in from Marseille to win the entire world. And then pretty much that's what he did. So, yeah, I mean, you could look at that in some ways as, you know, Christophe Galtier is not much recognised as Zinedine Zidane is. But, uh, well, you, you never know when things come, when things go south and people in, Par in Paris, you know, P the PSG Ultras, they come up and say, you know what, this is a... 
this 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 is a cult group from Marseille trying to disrupt the harmony in Paris and something like that. You know, this would really go south if things turn pretty pretty bad. But I hope Christophe Galtier is a very very good uh, thing for them to look up to. Now some players are also being tempted to move away, and major uh, link for them is Neymar Jr., who is linked to a move away from uh, Paris Saint Germain to possible clubs who want to sign him are Juventus and uh, Chelsea. I don't see Juventus happening because uh, of the financial issue there. If he decides to take a pay cut, yeah, maybe it could happen. You know, if with a pay cut, with a more organized system like Juventus have under Max Allegri, it's it's different kettle of fish altogether. Chelsea, um, well, uh, with uh, just like Ronaldo, I mean, if uh, Todd Bowley wants to have a superstar signing, it's either Ronaldo, it's either Neymar. I mean, that could really turn the screws upside down. The commercial value just rockets up and it completely changes the financial game of the club. So, you know, this can really hope to me. But, you know, in, the, in his presentation, Christophe Gaultier said that uh, he hopes to keep Neymar next season because he wants to get the best out of him and something like that. And reading between the lines here. Yeah, I mean, why not? You could really make things work with Neymar. So, yeah, it could it could really work at some extent. But I wouldn't be really forcing myself with Neymar there. Mauro Icardi is someone who is really close to move away from uh, away from Paris, and he has been linked to Monza as a Serie B side. Um, I really don't see that happening. You know, that's a big package of Icardi and Wandanara and all those off-the-field situations that come up with him. So if he's going, the ball, the ball's in Icardi's court right now. If he wants to leave, he can leave. If he does not want to stay, uh, if he does not want to leave, stay put there, enjoy the Paris nightlife, and be a squad player for PSG. I mean, he's more willing to play play that way. He's not. He's not going to be in part of that. He's not going to be part of. Uh, the squad of uh, of our of Argentina when they move on to Qatar, so you know it's it's very much give and take. You know, if you want to stay, stay. If you want to leave, leave. Well, there are not much, not many things coming up in his way at the moment. So we'll see what happens there as well. Uh, the other thing is uh, that they are also trying to move on players like uh, Presnel Kimpembe. Now, Presnel Kimpembe, I've not been a big fan of his. I think the football IQ is there is very much lacking. He's a very good defender in certain situations, but one-on-one positional sense, it's lacking there. And we saw that in 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 the Bernabeu against Real Madrid last season. It didn't come up to full fruitness, and I see him really struggling if uh, Milan Skriniar signs up, start struggling for pay, struggling for place in the side. I mean to say, and if a certain Sergio Ramos is fit and ready to go. I mean, Sergio Ramos is putting up videos of him being very, very fit. He's doing all the gym exercise and whatnot. And he's doing stuff which uh, you need to say that it's it's very much appreciated. So, you know, if he comes up, I don't see him starting ahead of Sergio Ramos as well. So we'll have to see what happens with uh, President Kimpembe as well. Other players who are linked away to a move are Danilo Pereira, who's uh, made it clear that he wants to stay there. And he's been very, very happy with the... Uh, playing time and he and he knows in in hindsight that if he plays well if he's really impressing uh, Christophe Galtier he will play that's that, that that's very much certain another player who's trying to make a move out 
Joan Bernat, players like even uh, Ander Herrera have said that, you know, you're free to move. Even Leandro Paredes has been said that, you know, if you want to move, you'll you be my guest, you know. It's, it's just like that. So we'll have to see what happens at Paris Saint-Germain. But as of now, things seem to be moving in a very, very good direction, in a very right way to see how things are going. We'll have to really evaluate it one by one. But for now, I think things are pretty much settled up at the French capital. Now with Barcelona and Chelsea, well, Todd Bowley was in Barcelona yesterday. According to multiple reports, they were talking about Cesar Azpilicueta and also about uh, potential transfers of uh, players like uh, Marcos Alonso to Barcelona and also from Barcelona side, players like Sergio Dest, players like Frankie de Jong. Yeah, maybe all these kind of things, you know, coming up their ways. But they're in a bit of a limbo. Apart from these four players, they're also been... Uh, both have been linked to uh, Rafinha. It's concrete interest from both these clubs. They uh, have concrete, concrete interest in Jules Koundé from Sevilla. So these two players are also been in contact here. Not just certain amount of contact, but it's a very, very strong contact between these two sides regarding these players. Uh, we'll first go with Chelsea. Chelsea have already uh, agreed personal terms with uh, Raheem Sterling of Manchester City. It's a bit of a uh, issue with the fee structure there, which they have to pay to Manchester City. It's around 45 million euros. I don't think he's worth 45 million euros because you see Sadio Mane going to Bayern Munich at a fee of 34 million euros. Why do you need to pay 45 for Raheem Sterling? I really don't see what's the plan here. I, I, I think he's. I think you can always make that argument that he is still in his prime. But yeah, he's still in his prime. But the last two seasons, he's been useless. I mean, the goals are still coming, but he's not been used that much. He's not had proper game time. So I think the price could come down a little bit, around 38 to 40 million euros, I think is the right price for him. Uh, but apart from him, they are trying to get in Ronaldo. Certain reports say that he, that Todd Bowley has made an attempt to contact to contact Jorge Mendes and also to contact uh, uh, Ronaldo as well and the Manchester United board and say that they are interested in signing uh, Cristiano. Uh, apart from all these players, they are also linked to Frankie de Jong as they look to bolster their midfield. Frankie de Jong is someone who would be the upgrade over Jorginho in some sense. He would be because similar profile, Frankie de Jong much more mobile than Jorginho. I think they have the similar IQ of rotating the ball. I think that's something that would come up very regularly. And a midfield duo of Kovacic and Frenkie de Jong might be sustainable for the next two years. Two, three years, if you have to see that uh, in perspective. And they see Angelo Kante as well filling up the gaps whenever required. So it makes a lot of sense as far as I'm concerned. Uh, apart from it, in the attack, as we said, Armando Broca is a very, very big entity here. You always have Mason Mount think that uh, one between Loftus-Cheek and uh, one between Loftus-Cheek and Billy Gilmore will stay. They also have made it clear that Conor Gallagher will be there next season and even uh, Billy Gilmore will be returning from Norwich City. Uh, they have already got Sterling uh, for argument's sake and then you have Havertz, you have Ziyech who's probably agreed personal terms with uh, AC Milan and the other players, Hudson Odoi is looking for a move outside of England. Uh, probably Bayern Munich will entice him to, st to sign up with them. 
they also are looking at uh, getting other players out of their books as well. Marcos Alonso being one of them. They're looking at some of the defenders, you know, they're looking at Jules Kounde, they're looking at Nathan Ake, they're looking at Matthias de Ligt. So one of these three has to come. You know, obviously Nathan Ake would be surplus requirements, but he would be a very good squad player. You can't actually expect Thiago Silva to play all 38 Premier League games in addition, in addition to the Champions League games, given the fact that he also has to play the World Cup with Brazil. If they get Matthias Lig, it's a big bonus. If they get Jules Koundé, it's a huge thing for them as well. Koulibaly as well. If they get Koulibaly, it can be a very, very good signing. Um, I, I, I think, you know, they have to be very, very astute in what they, have, what they want. At this point in time, they don't need Rafinha, in, in, my, in my opinion. They don't need Rafinha as of now. They can do things well by keeping one between Loftus-Cheek and uh, someone like a Hudson-Odoi and sell the other one or even loan, loan him out and have Sterling on one wing. So that's two wingers for you. Even can operate with... Uh, Havertz on the wing as well. Mount is going to play centrally and play play like Broca, play Ronaldo up front. That can make a very, very good attack, a potent attack at this point in time. Midfield, you already said, if you get in Frankie de Jong, I think there's time to move on now from Jorginho. He's been a good servant. But that's it for now. I think you persist with N'Golo Kante, move on Jorginho. And you have a pool of uh, Jorginho, Kovacic, Kante, Gilmore, Gallagher. That's really, really strong midfield five. That right there. I mean, you don't have to add many pieces to it. I mean, probably you can add Ross Barkley to it for, for just for argument's sake. You can have very, very good pool of midfielders. Even Ruben Loftus-Cheek can have himself playing in the midfield. Even Trevor Chalaber, who has been uh, considered as a future midfield player for Chelsea can also be used as that midfielder so there, there are pre- plenty of options there to be to 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 look at but you know if Chelsea want to do a certain amount of business with certain amount of people they can ha- obviously have that sort of thing going up for them provided they have the backing of uh, Thomas Tuchel there now Mariana Granovskaya has already left so uh, the negotiations will take a bit of time but as far as I'm concerned. I'm very impressed with the things that Todd Bowley is doing. Yeah, the expertise is not quite there. And, and I really, you know, people are trying to say that uh, Barcelona are in the late race with uh, players like uh, Jules Kounde and uh, Rafinha in this, uh, in, in, in this transfer window. Yeah, I mean, how cannot they be? I mean, people like Javi, people like Matteo Alimani, people like uh, Juan Laporta, they all have been in this business of football for a long time now. There is no Marina Granovskaya, there is no Bruce Buck, there is no Petr Cech right now at Chelsea. I mean, what are you comparing with Todd Bowley? All these three guys with Todd Bowley? It's, it doesn't make sense. I mean, you're trying to uh, snatch a lollipop from uh, a, a five-year-old kid. You're trying to get a candy from his hand, from his mouth. I mean, it doesn't make sense there for Barcelona fans to really have this argument here. So it's, it's really baseless, if I'm concerned. Uh, if you look at the defense, you have to get in some backup for... I mean, for now, it looks like Aspilicueta is going to leave. Then leaves with Thiago Silva. You leave... You are left with Trevor Chalaba as your defenders. You need to sign a backup right back. I mean, you can have Sergino Dest as your backup. There's no problem in that. Bruce James will be your first choice right back. And then you need to sign two defenders. I think Nathan Ake would be done. I think that's very, very certain for now. You know, fee around 70 to 8... 70 to 20 million euros is good enough to lure Nathan Ake away from Manchester City. 
You still have Malang Shah there, so maybe, yeah, you can have Malang Shah, Nathan Ake, Thiago Silva, Trevor Chalaba, and a very, very good defender who can be the future for you for the next two or three years. Not two or three years, for the four, four to six years, next four to six years, you can trust on him, and that is Matastelik. That is someone like a Pau Torres or even a Kalidu Koulibaly. That's someone whom I'm looking at, someone like a Lisandro Martinez, but that doesn't really lock my profile, but these three defenders, Pau Torres... Jules Kudne and Matazdalik. Matazdalik makes a lot of sense for Chelsea now, given the fact that he's very young, very physical. He can very much complement in uh, the way Thiago Silva wants him to play. This could be a very, very good replacement for Antonio Rudiger. And same with Koulibaly as well. But the thing is with Koulibaly, Koulibaly has not got the age in his factor. Now, again, with Koulibaly, you will also get that relationship between him and Eduardo Mendy. Uh, who's, who's going to be in the goal. So that Senegalese relationship does uh, sort it out themselves there. So it's, it's a very interesting situation now growing up in Chelsea. They're in business now with a lot of Barcelona targets as well. We'll also uh, move on to now Barcelona, where they are, uh, well, mortgaging their future. In, in all honesty, they're mortgaging uh, a lot of their future right now. They are in talks to sign... I mean, it was a week ago when I tweeted that out in, on my Twitter handle as well. They want, that Juan Laporta says, that they don't want to sell Frankie de Jong. In addition, they want to sign Lewandowski, they want to sign Rafinha, they want to renew uh, Usman Dembele, and they want to sign Bernardo Silva as well. So let's say that Dembele gets on. You know, Dembele has gonna be, is going to agree to the situations that are presented, in, in, agree to the scenarios that are being presented towards him. And he, and he signs for any renews for Barcelona. In technical terms, he's going to re-sign for Barcelona now because he's now a free agent. The other things are with Lewandowski. Now, Lewandowski is going to cost around 60 million euros in, in, in this market, in, in my opinion, with Bayern Munich as well, budging nothing less than six, 60 million euros in add-ons or anything. You can give it to them somehow. It's not, not in installments. They've made it clear there. So 60 million euros for him, 60 for Rafinha, that makes it 120. Let's say you that package of Dembélé costs them 15 million euros, so that makes it 135. And then you've got Kessie and Christensen, the agent signing fees and all those sort of shenanigans, that makes it six. So let's say for argument's sake, you get it up to 15 again with the package and everything of Kessie and Christensen, that makes it 150. And then you've got Bernardo Silva, who I think will be around 100 million euros. I mean, Manchester City has made it clear that you have to get Bernardo Silva. He's got three years left on his contract. You're welcome to take him. Get yourself 100 million euros and Bernardo Silva is yours. He's open to a move. He does not really want to leave Manchester City because he knows that there is a place for him in the side. So that makes it 250 million euros to spend across six players, six proper starters for next season. 250 million euros. And for that, they're going to mortgage their future. It does not make any sense. I think players who make sense for Barcelona are Christensen, who make sense for Barcelona, again, are Christensen, Dembélé's renewal, Kessier, at a certain extent. Keeping Frenkie de Jong makes a lot of sense. And then the other thing is you sign in Bernardo Silva. But Bernardo Silva isn't going to come cheaper. Xavi is obsessed with Bernardo Silva. Yeah, go ahead, be obsessed. 
that's not going to make any difference to what I'm saying right now. It's 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 shocking cheese. You know, you, you cannot expect Bernardo Silva to turn up on a free transfer. You know, that's not how Manchester City are going to work with it. He's a quality player right now in his prime. You're not going to take him from cheap. He's been outstanding for the last season at Manchester City. One of the best players, one of the best midfielders, top five easily in Europe. And you're not going to take away from him cheaply. So 250 million for him. And then they're also looking at Jules Kounde, who's going to come across 63 million euros, which is his release clause from Sevilla. So you go across to what, 313 million euros. I'm not discussing the salary issues and whatnot of the players which I have already given the transfer values of these players. So players like Lewandowski, players like Bernardo Silva, players like Jules Kounde and, uh, and, and, and whatnot, players like Rafinha as well. It's going to be a lot more for them to, 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 to think about. I mean, it's, it's a lot of money. I mean, they don't understand this, but this is a lot of money. And you're going to, they've already activated, I believe they've already activated their first lever of financial, uh, the first financial lever, which uh, they're going to sell, what, 15 person or something like that. I don't really know about this financial levers of Barcelona, but they have already accessed one. They want to keep Frankie Young, which is the right thing to do. I think so. But in in exchange, it's 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 bad. It's it's not good planning. I I know it's the repercussions of this is going to be really really bad. I mean, if you look at Barcelona's TV TV right TV demands over the last years, the top ten games in La Liga which has which have been viewed out of these top ten, eight feature Barcelona. I mean, yeah, it's always going to consider uh, the Clásico and stuff like that. I'm not considering Clásico here. Uh, yeah, I'm considering Clásico. Out of the top ten, eight have featured Barcelona. And of these eight, games are like Barcelona against Hetafe, Barcelona against Athletic Club Bilbao. Only two matches who haven't featured Barcelona are the Madrid derby. One of them is the Madrid derby. And the other one is Real Madrid against Sevilla. And these are just singular games. And the other eight games which have uh, had most viewership in La Liga are all considering Barcelona. So Barcelona have got a lot of demand on TV and on the, on the TV production. And they're going to mortgage that. I, I don't see this being very, very good. I mean, this is like a quick fix. I mean, we want this. I mean, it, why is Lewandowski even considering coming to, coming to Barcelona? I know... He's had a very good dinner with uh, Xavi at the, in, in Ibiza. They always talked about families and stuff like that and not about football. I mean, give me a break. That's, that's not what happened there. So he's said that he's not going to go on strike. Pini Zahavi is constantly talking to Juan Laporta. So we'll see how things work out for them. But it's not good planning. It's really not good planning. This is just berserk. What I'm seeing now with Barcelona, it's it's not good. And I hope that they come up to the senses. I believe that this is going to go through now, all this thing with Barcelona, with Lewandowski. I think for Lewandowski to play, they have to mortgage not just their future, but also their present. Now, if they have to mortgage their present, it, what I'm trying to say is that the playing style will change. I think Rafinha makes sense for them because Rafinha... I mean, they, 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 they look to have... Got a plan to keep Rafinha and Dembélé both in the club, which is really out of out of this world for me. 
Now, I don't see how that things work. But obviously, Dembele can play as your left-hand side winger as well. But Rafinha is a hard-working player. Good shot quality as well. Stuff like that. You know, he's a pretty good off-the-ball work rate. is pretty, pretty good. And stuff like that. Just like Kessier. Kessier, I think, has been a fantastic signing for Barcelona. Nothing to worry about with Kessier. Christensen, I've still got my reservations there. Because I still have to see how he plays in a back-four system. I think back three, he's, he's fantastic. Back four, I think, I don't know. Kessier is fantastic. Rafinha, if he goes through, it's fantastic. Even if he joins Chelsea, I think it will be really, really good for them. So things are starting to, to take place now and there, but we'll see what happens with Barcelona. So it's, it's really bad planning from them. You know, it's a quick fix here, quick fix there. To, to, just do that. And then it all comes down to Xavi then, because then Xavi will have to... Say, you know, Xavi's under pressure to deliver with all these players. If you get seven players, you know, seven, I'm really reading it quite right. It's Christensen, Kessier, Jules Kounde, Lewandowski, Rafinha, Dembele, and Bernardo Silva. These are seven players that they're looking at. And these seven players easily start in a Barcelona side. I mean, come on now. The only four players, I think, won't be there. I mean, even... Uh, even Aspilicueta and Marcus Alonso, that makes it nine. So the deal around it, it's, it is around 340 million euros that they are aspiring to have for this alone. I mean, you, if you look at it, it goes around about 370 easy with all those wages and all those stuff. Only for this freaking season. It makes no sense. No tangibility over this deal. And I'm half, I have to say it is going to take a lot of toll. On the financials going forward. He might consider this as a profitable summer. But down the line. Going up in 2024-25. There will be consequences of the deals that they will be making now. So it's better to think sensibly. Matteo Alemani who has been the brain behind all these operations. Think sensibly. I mean there was a reason why they didn't pull the financial levers. When they had. When Le Messi was leaving the club. There is a reason for that. There was a reason that Juan Laporta had to, had to get election and then he had to convince the, play, convince the people to vote in the favour of getting the levers up. There's a reason for everything. So I don't fancy this, everything that's going on. I don't fancy how it's all turned out to be. But for Barcelona, they have to get back into their senses and think sensibly, for goodness sake, think sensibly and make the right decision. So that's it from me today. Be sure to check into my Twitter handle and into my Instagram page. It is weeklypod.ott on Twitter and weeklypod underscore ott on Instagram. Uh, I'll be posting a lot of th- stuff on Twitter and uh, I've uh, letting my thoughts go through. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you next weekend. Yeah, yeah, again, again. From Barcelona, I have to touch one thing again. Barcelona are due to pay Frankie de Jong 17 million. They're due to pay, what, uh, Piquet and Jordi Alba as well. So that's a lot of money that they're due to pay their players as well in wages. So it's, 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 it's very much a bizarre thing to actually think about, but we'll, we'll see what happens there. It's, 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 a, it's a house on fire right now. Not, not right now, but in the future. I guarantee you that it is going to be a house on fire, not just because I'm a Real Madrid fan, but, you know, it's... It's, it's what I'm seeing right now. You're mortgaging the future and that's going to bite yourself in the, in, 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 in the past.
So, yeah, that's where I end myself. That's where I end my podcast here. As I said, be sure to check into my Instagram and uh, Twitter. It's already been mentioned before. Uh, this was a host, Mayuresh Matkar. Thank you very much. Cheerio.